I now invite Sherry up to read our first scripture, Isaiah 56, <clears throat> 1, 6 through 8. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance will be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcast of Israel. I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you would stand as you are able for our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 15 verses 10 through 28. And then he called the crowds to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. And then the disciples approached him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? And Jesus answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. And then he, that is Jesus, said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. Jesus then left that place and went away to the district of Tyre in Sidon. And just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he, that is Jesus, did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away for she keeps shouting after us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the Canaanite woman came and knelt before Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. And Jesus answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly 
The word of the Lord. Be to God. You may be seated. There are some scriptures that are really hard uh, to wrestle with. This is one of those. Especially when you have Jesus calling somebody a dog. I don't know about you, but I grew up, I grew up with this idea of who I thought Jesus was. Kind, compassionate, caring. And to hear him call somebody a dog just rankles me. It gets under my skin because I think to myself, Jesus, you're not supposed to act like that. You're Jesus. So it gets under my skin. But the question we need to ask ourselves is, is that what he is really saying in this moment? Obviously, we read the words on the page, but are they as plain as that? Is that all that's going on, or is there more underneath the surface? Last week, I talked about this idea of how the Bible, we like to read through it as one long narrative, and that's a good thing, but it's also important for us to realize that the Bible is like a spider web, interconnected. There are connections to Genesis and Isaiah and all kinds of other passages that we see in one. And this passage is no different. Because in just the very preceding verses, Jesus talks about this idea of what defiles us. He talks about how it's not just food, it's not what goes in, but what comes out of our heart. This is the story that just happened. This is the thing that the disciples and the apostles even asked him a question about. And so what happens, not just a moment later, at least in the way that Matthew tells this story, is that they're walking down this road and this woman comes who's a Canaanite woman. And so let's, let's go ahead and think about what it was to be a Canaanite woman in that culture. Canaanites had been the enemies of the Jews for so long. Ever since the moment that they came back from the Exodus, that the Jewish people came back from the Exodus and entered into the Promised Land, it is the Canaanites and the other uh, surrounding groups, groups like the Ammonites and the Amalekites and the Hittites that were their enemies. They fought over and over and over again. And Jesus, I'm sorry, and God even had some very heavy things to say about these people. About how when Israel came into this land, they needed to fight for it and clear them out. This is the perception of the Jewish people. No, I need you to be quiet, buddy, okay? Okay, just do your best, okay? If you can't, that's okay. Where was I? <laughs> Thank you. This is uh, the perception of the Jewish people for Canaanites. Unclean, 
enemies, worshipers of foreign idols, and an idolatrous God. This is how the Jewish people view them. This is how the apostles view them. This is how the disciples view them. And so is it any wonder when a Canaanite woman comes begging to Jesus Christ that the apostles turn her away or want to turn her away? And it seems like Jesus plays into this, for lack of a better way of putting it, racial stereotype, this way of perceiving this group of people. And the funny thing about it is this. Out of this woman's heart doesn't come the idolatrous God. Doesn't come these practices that worship and venerate Moloch or Baal or anybody else. But it is a heart of faith that Christ can heal her child. For a moment, place her against the apostles. The very people who knew and walked with Christ. And in this moment, it is the apostles that are farther from God's heart than this Canaanite woman. This is the message of the gospel. That we can be so close to Christ and yet so far away. That we can burn with zeal to know Him and draw closer to Him and yet miss the mark. I want to tell you about another story in the, in, uh, the Old Testament. It's in the book of Joshua. And so what ends up happening in Joshua is he essentially takes up the mantle from Moses. He is the one that is crossing into the promised land that will conquer it, that will bring it to heal so that it is their land. This forms the backbone of pretty much the entire book of Joshua. But there's this story early on where they go to the town, the city of Jericho. And he sends two spies that go into this place and check it out. I need you guys to sit up and I need you to sit down. And what's funny is, is they go into this city, they begin investigating and looking, and eventually somebody finds them out. Who's the one that sees them? Rahab, the prostitute, the woman who is from Jericho, and she says, we know that your God is coming into this land and he's going to conquer things. So I'm going to keep you safe. And then the Israelites say, okay, well, when we come in, we are going to help you out. So there's this whole assault on Jericho that takes up a good chunk of uh, Scripture. Okay? Remember this story from Rahab. It's coming back. 
after they finish off Jericho, there's an Israelite man, a well-known man who's looked at highly in his community. And in Jericho, after it falls, he ends up taking some of their idols, taking some of this ill-gotten loot. So Israel, that is the whole nation, goes and keeps trying to conquer. And God's like, no, uh, 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 uh. You guys disobeyed. This did wrong. And you want to know what? This needs to be fixed. So there's a lot of repentance. There's a lot of weeping. And eventually what ends up happening is, is they trace it back to this Israelite guy. This person, this soldier who was supposed to do right, who knew the truth, who heard Moses' own words, who had Joshua's leadership, who had every good and conceivable thing going his way. But it's because of his actions and it's because of what he does that hurts the greater nation and he ends up being executed. The message is clear. It's not about who you are. It's not about what you eat. Because what defiles the person isn't the color of their skin or their nationality or what they eat, but what defiles a person is what comes out of their heart. Rahab who for all intents and purposes would be a second, maybe even, let's be honest, a third-class citizen in her time on this earth. She was a woman in a time where they were subjugated. She was a prostitute. And yet this woman is closer to the heart of God than this Israelite man who had every possible thing. This Canaanite woman is closer to the heart of God in this moment than those apostles. Connections. This isn't just a new story that's being told about how Jesus Christ has come and how all are welcome to his kingdom now and people weren't before. No, this is Something that has been foretold and has been spoken to the Israelites over and over and over again. Let's go ahead and read our other passage from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right. For soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it, profane it and hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. In Leviticus, it talks about coming and welcoming the foreigner. The Bible doesn't say, except the Hittite, except the Canaanite. It says, welcome 
the foreigner. And if they come and want to make their way among you, let them be. So what does this have to do with us? My wife and I were talking about where we see ourselves in Scripture. And frankly, it depends on the story. There are times where I'm the Pharisee and I've got to be honest about it. There are times where I'm the Apostle and I don't want to be the Apostle. (laughs) But I've got to be honest about it. There are times where I'm Rahab. There's times where I'm this Canaanite woman. But the Bible isn't here to just coax our egos and to make us feel better. The Word of the Lord is designed to challenge us and to bring us in more line with His heart and with His justice. and with His mercy, and with His compassion. Somebody asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And He says, to love the Lord your God. And if you have any question about the second, it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus doesn't qualify who your neighbor is. Let's go ahead and put ourselves in this story and get uncomfortable. Because if I've learned anything, sin likes to lay in a hole and to not be seen. Sin would rather always be kept secret and unseen so that it can continue to fester. So who is your Canaanite? Is it a Muslim? Is it a homosexual? Well, you don't have to actually answer, boys. (laughs) No, you don't. Is it that bully? We can do a lot of trying to do God's work by trying to disqualify people from his kingdom. But the truth of the matter is that that is sin and that is brokenness. And God is trying to give us new eyes. Because Satan and our sin are in a constant battle for our hearts as Christ tries to right them. Let me give you a really good example. Who here has ever had a vehicle that they have just not gotten alignment work done on your car, on your tires? It's always constantly veering to the right, right? And so you're always trying to like course correct. You're always, okay, it's veering, trying to course correct, veering, trying to course correct. That is the Bible to us. Our sin And Satan are constantly trying to veer us to the right. But Jesus Christ won't let us. 
He's trying to keep us on the straight and the narrow. Even though we fight against it. But we have to be cognizant of it. We have to be accepting of that fact that we are not yet free from sin. That it continually starts to plague us. That even though we can be walking with Christ himself, that we can be listening to him speak into our hearts every day, we can still miss the mark like the apostles. And it's not something that we can always point to one another, but we have to be honest and point to our own hearts and our own selves. And see that God can work through people that even we think are unworkable. And that we're no prize chicken ourselves. But that's grace. It's grace for those people that we've disqualified. And it's grace for us in the midst of our sin and brokenness. Because the compassion and the love and the justice of Jesus Christ know no bounds. Even when we put up walls, he's breaking them down. Even when we seek to disqualify people, he says, no, no, I qualify them. So who is the Canaanite woman in your life? Who is the person or the people group that you have disqualified that Jesus himself sees incredible faith in even though we might not be able to? Perhaps... Perhaps it's not us, up to us to judge. Perhaps it's up to us to offer that same grace that Jesus Christ offers to the Canaanite woman. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for dealing with sinners like us who are continually veering off the road, but God, you won't let it happen. Help us, Father God, to submit to your guiding hand. Help us, Lord, to see the sin in our own lives, the brokenness that continually tries to veer us. Help us, O oh Father God, to submit to your will, to submit to your grace, and to offer that same grace to the people of this world that we have disqualified. And Father God, convict our hearts. Convict them, Father God, so that we might offer that same love and compassion and grace to the people of this world. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.